2: This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue, with Ian Cheeseman. And just before we start, let me give you the weather, eh? It's cloudy tonight. Tomorrow, well, it's going to rain during the night, but tomorrow, top temperature 13, a little bit of sunshine around. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of sunshine around at the moment, a lot of blue skies as well, because City are the champions of Manchester once again. So tonight, we're going to reflect on that. We're going to speak to a couple of City heroes later on. Stevie Redman from the great team, the youth team that went on to beat United Five one that particular year, Uh, and also we'll be talking to Andy Morrison, the leader of City as they emerge phoenix-like in 1999 from the the lower echelons of their history into the magnificent force that they are today speaking of which another one of the great heroes is with me of course it is sean feed the goat go 103 goals
0: stop it thank you
2: (laughs) (laughs) and we're all smiles aren't we didn't i see a video of you on social media where you were doing the poznan and celebrating the derby victory
0: yes i was i was i really enjoyed that um Yeah, it's come to be expected, you know, with City, the way we play. Uh, So I thoroughly enjoyed it like many other City supporters.
2: I've got to say that um, uh, I felt that, that that was, I've said this a few times now, so I'm sorry if I'm boring anybody, but that was my 75th derby. And I can't remember a derby that was genuinely as comfortable or... Uh, as, as stress-free or anxiety-free, and people said, "What? Well, even when United got that goal back, I said they had one chance in the game—a penalty, one shot in the yeah. game—they scored it. They never had a chance." To me, it was like watching any other league game recently of City
0: because they were—it ju- it didn't feel—it didn't actually feel like a derby in a way. You know what I mean? Well, I, I do understand what you mean. I, I did find that when it was two-one, when United came back to make it two-one, I thought to myself, "Okay." Here's the now chat. Here's the challenge now for city. Can we manage this period? Uh, and then get a, a grip back on this game. And I didn't think, well, not that I didn't think, I thought, well, if we could just manage this period uh, and then come through strong as in dominating and then see the game through as in keeping United at arm's length. But we went a step further. We actually went on and scored it. So from a, a management point of view, managed it superbly because, again, they weren't that much of a threat. It, it had probably three to five minutes where you thought, like, OK, you, you, as fans, you're thinking... Perhaps United will go on and score sacking and it will become nervy. But the way the team managed the game, the way man, uh, Pep managed it with his substitutes was absolutely brilliant.
2: Mourinho came out with his quote afterwards that City had had two friendlies in the build-up to the game. He's referring to the fact that they cruised past Southampton and Shatzaa Donetsk. Mm. I'd almost argue that that felt a little bit like a friendly against United. And it wasn't like the derbies we've
0: seen in the past, was it? Yeah, three friendlies that will be in it before our next game. <laughs> well, listen, he, he's trying to protect his players. And um, normally he comes out and, and it's, you know... He, he he finds a way to uniquely sort of, you know, either have a good as players or or uh, protect his players. This time it's protecting his players. Uh, but for me, I'm, I, I don't buy it because we're in November. Um, if he was, you know, given this sort of argument, February, March, then you think, okay, I can I can understand that. I buy that. The um, players are still they're still fresh. And I do understand his point that, yes, they've been away to play the big game in Europe uh, and they've come back. But at the same time, it's, it's Manchester United. They have travelled to Europe hundreds of times and understand the demands and and make adjustments according to that.
2: Well, I, I still think. Oh, no, they won as well, don't forget, going into that game yes, against Juventus. Yes. So they should have been buoyed by that. But I don't buy that argument at all. There's a few different things within the game. I want to talk to about. I'm going to, I'm going to come to right to the end of the game, first of all, because Pep seemed to disapprove of what happened right at the end mm-hmm. when Raheem Sterling did a couple of step-overs. Clearly, as a Blue, as a City fan, I had no problem with it. I loved yeah. it. But you And I know you're a Blue, and I know you, not yeah. only are you are a Blue, but you're an ex-player. Yes. So you can give a, a different angle to this. If, if you'd have been one matter, if you'd have been one of those United players when Raheem Sterling... Did a couple of step-overs and yeah. they kept keep ball before that,
0: actually, yes. quite slickly. Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was very it was, good, wasn't it? it? It was. Was that wrong? Well, you see, I don't think Sterling was actually doing it as showboating. I think Sterling, because of the, the zone and the, the actual space that the players are in, like, they're untouchable. They're in such high confidence. And I think at that point in time, uh, as we saw how they were keeping the ball, it looked as though it was like telephone box sort of possession. And, and United just couldn't get it. So at that stage, Sterling got the ball, done a couple step overs, and it was, I don't think it was a case of showboating. Because the crowd go, hey, hey, hey it, it comes across as showboating, but I think he's, I may go that way, I may go that way. You don't know which way I'm going to go, but you can get the ball. Um, and I totally, ex- I totally also expect Pep to do what he did because he is uh, the ultimate professional in terms of not wanting to... Um, I don't know if "embarrassed" is the right, right word, uh, but do things professionally, get the result, uh, win the game and win it professionally without sort of taking the mickey. And at the same time, I don't think Sterling was conscious in terms of I want to take the mickey now. I don't, I don't think Sterling was doing that. It just happened to come to him. It's full of confidence, done a few step overs uh, and eventually went to his right and I think passed it passed it on.
2: As a professional, I agree with every word. As a blue, I don't care anyway, because I just yeah. enjoyed watching it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, another thing we can, we can rewind back to, because we're going in reverse order here, we come back to the 44 pass goal. Yes. Now, when it comes to match of the day, goal of the season, goal of the month and everything, pretty much always it's something that arrows into the top corner. In recent years, there's maybe a little bit more of picking out a, go- a, ge- a goal that's perhaps had a few passes in the build-up. I can't imagine that Match of the Day, or any other, by the way, yeah. TV programme, is going to go, oh, a 40- we'll show the 44-pass goal, and and that's a contender. Because in the end, it was a relative tapping. Yes. it has to be said for yes. Gundogan. But I love those goals. But where does that goal stand for you?
0: Well, do you know what? it? You, you caught me on the spot as to where, where it comes up with other girls, but I'll tell you what, it has to be very up there, very much up there with, the, with some of the best because, again, the the total completion of passes, you know, City was had the ball high up and then it went back amongst the midfield into defence and it came back forward again. It was on one side, shifts across to the other side, and, and everyone essentially has touched his ball. And then also, when the ball come across, it, Gundogan hasn't, you know, shot this ball, when it's come across, because he could have, on the volley, went for it. He's actually got the awareness to say, no, I could take a touch. Takes a touch, and then he just, you know, slots it across the goalkeeper, and I just thought, this it was a delight to watch. It was absolutely beautiful. The the, the quality of football, the possession, because United, at that at stage as well, there were times where they actually were really trying to get it, so you could look at some teams and you think, oh, they're passively trying to win it. They don't want to be embarrassed and they know the game's sort of out of reach. But this was at a stage where United were, were, were pressing, trying to win it. And City played through that press, uh, kept the ball, uh, and a and lovely cross came in by Bernardo Silva. And it, it was total football. Absolutely total football. I just, I just football. want
2: you to you a picture, Sean. You are Gundogan. Yeah. What would you have done when that ball came in from from uh, Bernardo? Would you have struck it first time or would you had
0: that peace of mind? This if you were the, an expert is, this striker is, come no, this is where I'm saying your level. I I would have hit that first time. And this is this is where I'm saying these guys on another level. He realizes that he has that time. You're not You're telling know? me Gundam
2: was a better finisher
0: than you. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that on this time he was. <laughs> so he so You give Gundogan ten chances, sure uh, Sean's scoring about eight. Gundogan's probably getting you six, six or so. Oh, but right. <laughs> I would say I would say no, the fact that he's brought that down was really great awareness and, and trust in his touch to you know I'm gonna be able to control this where de, Ge- de Gea the gear can come out and get it and I'll and I'll slaughter, slaughter him. Now what I would say is if I had taken a touch, I wouldn't have went down the middle like the hair. I would have pushed it in the corner and that's that is a uh, uh, someone that's really comfortable around goal. De Gea could have almost saved it. It ran over his foot. It was a great. It was a great finish. A more prolific uh, finisher would push it right in the corner that gives him no chance. Once you have that touch, obviously
2: three other goals. One of them the penalty for United. The only shot they had on target, just to emphasise that yeah. again, in the whole game. If uh, you keep repeating it, they'll yeah, give them more yeah. shots, innit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was only one. And then, the, then the, the two other goals, obviously a great strike by Sergio Aguero, mm. through the hands of the greatest goalkeeper in the world, yes. if you believe what everybody tells you. Well,
0: I don't. And I, I you know, I was on a programme and I was actually saying, I keep hearing this about the best goalkeeper. And I said, well, were there any fingers in them gloves? Well, you know, De Gea is a good goalkeeper, don't get me wrong. Um, and I would have him in that conversation as being with one, you know, the best goalkeepers, but i I'm just sold on Addison. I really am. Because when I look at him in, you know, in city's team, he's great with the ball at feet. Yes. He's given a couple of penalties up, but I think this comes with the territory and how we play. We dominate so much. There is going to be the odd occasion in some games where a team will break uh, and, and get the passing right. And he has to come out and make that split decision. And most times he gets it right. Uh, the last couple of occasions, different games, he's given up a penalty. But he's the sort of player that actually, he gives us the odd assist in games as well as a goalkeeper. We don't, the doesn't give you no assists along with what he normally gives you. So for me, I'm, I'm an Addison goalkeeper. I love him. I think he's brilliant. Uh, and I think he's also good quality as a goalkeeper.
2: I want to bring James in at this point. James, can, you, can I just ask you a question? James is, is doing all the twiddly bits for us <laughs> today, the controls. But you said something about Edison before in the office, uh, looking at it from a Nottingham Forest point of view, <laughs> uh, about his passing ability. Just repeat that for me. Well, I have to normally sit through forest games. Um, and he's better than most of our midfielders at just picking a pass, even when you could see United kind of pressing and trying to cut out that start at the back Kind of philosophy. Mm. He was just, oh, I'll just chip it over you. I'll find the gap. I'll. He, he makes a pass out of being a good footballer, rather than kind of any like
0: guys moving around for him. He's a great passer uh, of a, a ball. Great it's a passer, line,
2: isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They say James yes. doesn't know what he's talking. About? Well,
0: he 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 does. That's <laughs> <And, laughs> the first time. And, and I, you know, I'm one of those to think. About, am I the only one seeing this? But no, clearly James sees it as well. Because <laughs> again, teams do try to press City. Uh, and Addison just goes, okay, I'll bypass that. And see, the great thing is he has this great balance. Every now and again, he rolls the ball into Fernandinho. He gets turned. It goes up wide to a fullback or to a player uh, and City pass through the thirds. But every now and again as well, when they press, he seems to know the right pass. And this tells me that this is work being done. This is work that he's been told, Addison's been told, listen, when teams press, your options is here is Fernandinho. If Fernandinho is not on, then your option is perhaps the wide player, uh, and he'll he'll be able to bring this ball down, or he can f- you know flick this ball inside. So he knows his options, and he's he's hitting these forty yard balls. And you think he's being pressed, and and you're thinking what a pass. He was just being pressurized by by a striker, and now Cidio on the counter attack and playing you know four v three now. Um, so this is what I really like about. Edison uh, Addison as, as a goalkeeper. He's got all that in his armour.
2: Well, in that subject area, because you just mentioned Fernandinho, one of the things I've noticed is that whenever Laporte, Stones or Edison are, I will not say boxed in or cornered, because it's never quite that bad, mm. but the outlet ball is always Fernandinho. The confidence that they have in him and the way that he can... Ju- he's, he's so aware of what's around him yes. and he can just flick the ball or pass the ball you know when they do that triangle, that when suddenly an, an opposition team is swarming
0: on you, yes. it's always Fernandinho that's the outball. He's so crucial, isn't he? He is, and he and he knows that he's pivotal to that to that uh, department in bringing the ball out, and he knows and Alisson could trust him. He knows he could trust him because he's given balls. This has been worked on in training. Balls goes into him, he bounces it out, and then all of a sudden the pressure is just relieved. But not only that, they've, they've bypassed the first line of press. And so they're into midfield, and, and, and teams just really struggle. And, and this is the great thing. See, Addison, he's so good at his feet. And if a goalkeeper's not good at their feet, they wouldn't see Fernandinho, even though it's been worked on they wouldn't see Fernandinho. And Fernandinho would be like, I've been here for like five seconds, like waiting for you to pass it. But because the touch isn't good, or they're not confident, the ball, you know, just doesn't get set right. And and all of a sudden it's, it's mayhem. And it's like, you're thinking, why is, why is the situation come out of this? And because the goalkeeper's not confident, the touch isn't right. Uh, and perhaps even some things ain't been worked on. And I could see that with a lot of other teams in in Premier League that then there's not worked on, then you can tell. Um, I would say is a team that work on it because you can see there's a rhythm, there's a pattern, that things that occur. Uh, on a regular basis
2: I don't know if you remember back to the World Cup I'm sure you do remember back to that World Cup where Dunga was sort of the holding midfielder for Brazil and it was the first time I can remember because I've always been a bit of a fan of Brazilian football them actually having somebody in that role and whilst I would actually argue that Fernandinho is better than Dunga Dunga was the first one of those that I saw doing that so do you think that's why he's so aware of of that position because it's something that, that was brought in that way
0: yeah, I mean, you think about... We, we always talk about the Brazilian teams and, and, and the I don't know, the, the and well, the Palace the Zikers and all the great forward number 10s and, I don't know, Adair and Socrates, attacking midfielders, these type of players. But um, the ones that do such an important role have been those holding players. As you say, Dongo was that that player that kept it all together, that allowed them to shine. And, and Fernandinho does exactly that. He you know, he allows this, uh Silva, Bernardo Silva, David Silva, De Bruyne Aguero, all these guys to go and do the stuff because he's like, you go, I've got this covered. Uh and he's so clever. He's so clever at what he does and which is why for me, uh he for me he's currently the best. And I would say that um uh County who plays at Chelsea because he's now playing further forward, um he would—he was that player that I would say, yeah, he was the one that I, f- I felt was the best at doing that role. But obviously, he's now moved to a different position. And Fernandinho, just, he, he's like a real joyster. He's just so smooth and it, it, it's beautiful.
2: I'm a big fan, you know that. Um, I was a big fan of Yaya Toure, but Fernandinho yes. has, has adapted that role and he plays in such a different way. But if I was asking you about the man of the match for the derby, and this was an interesting one because... I asked a few fans after the game for the vlog that I do, who was your man of the match? And everybody gave me a different answer, but yeah. everybody said it with conviction. Yes. So there was one who said, ah, oh, definitely David Silver. David Silver, street heads of anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And then, some, nope, Fernandinho, he was the best player, no doubt about it. And they hadn't heard what the other one had said. Yeah. And then another one had said, uh, no, Sterling. Sterling was everywhere, his creativity... And then and I'm and then I went. What about Bernardo Silva? I, I thought saying. Bernardo <laughs> Silva was amazing. But isn't it brilliant that you can you can wax lyrical cool. and not actually have
0: one stand out? It's not about one player, is it? Well, this sums up Pep Guardiola that his teams have, you know, nine, ten players shining. Uh, they play, they perform well, and you think, well, I could pick six. That they're probably challenged for man of the match and. Um, so that probably gives Pep Guardiola man of the match, but I I would say the same thing. I was thinking Bernardo Silva, and he's really I've, I've started to watch him because again we got a lot of players who are bells and whistles. They 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 you know they come with the name, they come with the pedigree, um, or they come with the price tags and all of that. And so they're the ones that draw attention. But recently, in the last few weeks, I said let me just keep my eye on Bernardo Silva, and I can tell you this guy is just phenomenal. Uh, he's just getting better and better and better, and you know, he, he seems as though he's been at the club for ages in terms of how he performs. So he just knows, fits within the system. You know, when he plays, we don't think, oh, it's dropped of any level. He doesn't have pace, but he's... he's Bernardo is another David Silva. He's just quality on the ball. And, you know, he just performs at this eight. This, this is his level. And, and you just think, he's not quick. But he don't lose the ball. He pops up with the odd goals he here and there. He wins the ball as he well. He wins the ball, and you just think, this guy's consistent. We've got and two he's, silvers, He's growing on know. me. Yeah, was better song, than one silver too. We've
2: got two silvers, you know. Right, we've, we've also got an Andy Morrison on the way very soon. Well, this is Sean Goldsomy and Cheeseman. This is Forever Blue on Excess Manchester one hundred six point one FM. Thanks for your company. Uh, it will be downloadable as a podcast. So if you just missed the beginning bit of what Sean had to say, which was fascinating to listen to, then make sure you, you yourself, and anybody else you know, tell them as a podcast. I'll tweet out the link later on. And if you download the free app for XS Manchester, and it is a free app... there's a sort of one-stop shop that takes you to all of the different um, podcasts, obviously this one's going to be the best isn't it, because it's a city show but there are loads of others as well, including the Wednesday Club, which I'm on tomorrow uh, and all the rest of the week's stuff, anyway next up we're going to talk to another man who'll be smiling all over his face, Mr Andy Morrison
0: XS Manchester
2: This is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman a celebratory move today, of course, because the Manchester Derby was at the weekend. As if you didn't know, and City won 3-1. It could have been 4-5 or 6 or whatever. Um, so it was comfortable anyway, and it was it was a joy to watch. And Sean galt who's always a smiler, is smiling even oh, yes. more today. <laughs> uh, and another man who I'm sure will be full of smiles is uh, the legendary City captain Andy Morrison, who is a manager himself. And his team, as ever, is doing very, very well, Connors Key. Um, so, how much of the derby did you see and how much did you enjoy, it? Andrew?
3: Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it, even in labs. It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, and, you know, I was at the game. And, you know, with all due respect to United, I thought it was very, very tame and very easy. Um, I didn't feel like, you know, and there was about a 10 minute period when we went to 2 1 where you were thinking that, you know, something might happen. and were, might were, you, sure. were you really worried at that point? At 2-1, just anxious. Just anxious because it, football is football and anything can happen. I've seen it happen so many times. But, you know, I can still see the areas they were getting the ball and, you know, they couldn't, they weren't really even getting into our half. Um, so, yeah. And then, obviously, the third goal um, just puts the, you know, the coaching on it. But it, it, I'm, I was just amazed how passive they were and how little they offered on the day.
2: I mean obviously you, you're a player who always played with passion and I'm sure you now coped with the same amount of passion. Was there a lack of passion in, in that United performance?
3: I don't think it's a lack of passion, Ian, I think it's a lack of being able to get close enough to the opposition. Um, you know, they can run around, you know in modern day football, listen, you can't you can't go and leave one on a player anymore. You 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 open up to a red card and the last thing you need in a derby is going down to ten but they can't get close enough because the, the rotations and the ball movement is that swift with City that nobody can really get close enough to, to, to lay a, a glove on any of the City players. And, you know, when you're continually moving them and then, you know, Fellaini, Matic and Herrera who aren't natural athletes, uh, eventually, you know, they're going to find it difficult to keep filling them little pockets that like they did for long periods and, and and it's going to open up. and And it did. And, you know, I just think... I just think they were fortunate, really, to get away with, with a 3-1, because, you know, the penalty, I saw the penalty, it was like slow motion, it was like the Southampton, you know, it was like, don't go, don't go, and then uh, they give them a lifeline, but, you know, I think anything other than the 3-1 result would have been, you know, would have been a travesty.
2: You've hinted there, Andy, in that the, the game has changed since since your era. Um, you know, we now play on these perfect snooker table pitches, particularly in the Premier League, and the referees take a different attitude to physical contact. Um, has that gone all the way down, though? Is that just a Premier League, a sort of La Liga thing, or does that affect all levels of football? And obviously, you're at the moment at a level which is a little bit lower than the Premier League, but is it like that there as well, or is it still a physical
3: game at your level? No, it's not. It's it's right down through the leagues now. Um, that's unless you watch uh, the Northern Ireland League on a Monday night where it's still, still brutal and it's fabulous football where everybody's kicking each other and, you know, blood and thunder games. I don't know if you've seen any <laughs> of their games, but...
2: I haven't, um, but I'm, I'm now tempted. <laughs> oh,
3: man, I'm, listen, Monday night, just have a little look at it. It'll take you back to the 80s and 90s. But, uh, no, it's definitely, you know, it's, it's very passive, um, minimal contact, you know, and... Um, and that's the way the game's going. You have to adapt, you have to change the way you play the game and um you know, and it it does suit the way that um the way that City play and those teams that dominate possession, it does suit them rather than teams that give up give up possession and try and play a counter-attack in football, it doesn't suit because you can't get physical, you can't really get close to people like you could in the past.
2: So if the era that you were playing in with Sean had actually you, the team had been so superior that it could have done one of these four to four forty-four pass moves. What you're saying is it would have never got to that stage because somebody <laughs> would have gone through somebody. Is that what you're saying?
3: <laughs> yep, yep. If you want it as simple as, as as that, then without a shadow of doubt, yep, something would have happened. You know, I had this conversation at the weekend when I saw when um, um, when the Shakhtar game and then the Southampton game, and I just. I was having this conversation regarding teams coming and just rolling over and, and not laying a glove on us at all, you know even if just even if they were to rank things up a little bit during the game, or you know there's, I just think it 's the nature of the players you know there 's nobody there really wants to go and you know, sort of mix it up a little bit or upset the opposition, and, and they're quite happy. And they'll oh, all make it continue. They're quite happy to turn up and almost a damage limitation every time they come to the pitcher at um, at the Etihad because I just don't see a team even coming up with any kind of game plan whatsoever to cause us any kind of problems. You know, with probably the Leon game is the only game where I can think of a team that um, actually kind of went toe to toe and matched us in certain areas. Apart from that, it's it's been very, very
0: comfy. So, Andy, then, just hearing you say, you know, team's not coming with a game plan. How would you play against City?
3: Well, um I watch every game, and I'm, I always look at it from a, a coaching and manager's point of view. And I know the key areas that where City really hurt you. Uh, there, there's, there's pockets ten yards outside the box to the right and the left with David Silva, Bernardo Silva, they find little pockets in, in them areas and they try and pull fullbacks in and they try and get they try and get the fullbacks their opposite fullback getting wide and David Silva rotations with Sani and I would try and suffocate the the actual middle of the pitch and and um, you know and, and stop because they recycle continually through the centre halves. Mm-hmm. And it's easier said than done and there's a lot better coaches and managers than me that have gone there and tried things and, and and failed but to go there and actually go with just purely looking to try and keep the scoreline down um, you know it's, uh, it's 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 great for us but you know it must be very difficult for the, the opposition fans who travel up to watch a game and then they just literally sit in for the whole 90 minutes trying to keep the score down And
2: you think that's um, what Mourinho did then? Do you think he was just trying to keep the score down?
3: I think he wanted to try and stay in the game as long as he can you know you, you watch the patterns that they did and it was maybe three or four passes and then it was back to De Gea and then by that point Fellaini had pulled out onto Walker and then the wide man uh, I think with Rashford would rotate inside and they would try and hit Fellaini and build up play from there but you know it we 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 dealt with it very well. And my favourite player of the last five or six years, Ferrandino, you know, just stifled everything that they, they tried to create. And again, totally goes unnoticed. But, you know, Ian, I've, I've been saying to you for years about just how good he is. You know, he is the best in world football, bar none at what he does. Um, you know, everything that gets broken down in around our box, any dangers, nine times out of ten, it's Ferendino as has put the fire out. Yeah.
0: So Andy, you know, most of our listeners here, they they, um, they know you for being this, you know, physical uh physical presence player. But what mm-hmm. I what I know of yourself was your quality of passing and, and if teams could press you know, press you then you had that, that forty, fifty yard pass in you. When we look at Laporte and and Stearns, do you do you think they do it enough or because I know that was a quality you had. Um, do you think they do it enough, or is it enough? Of, you know, are they at the right level, sort of two, two and a half, or something like that, or should they do more? You think?
3: I think. I think the manager looks at the opposition and he looks at the way the fullbacks. Now, if you look at the the. Um the Shaq back four. Now they were incredibly narrow and you would have seen Laporte play more diagonal passes than in any other game this season. I don't yes. know if you're if you aware of that. Yeah. Because their back four were trying to stop them pockets in between sort of left back and the centre half where David Silva and Bernardo Silva kind of roll into. Um, so Laporte straight away it just stood out for me. They've worked on this in training. They're trying to they're trying to get Sterling out in one. Um, and yeah, and, and, and they, you could see that. But then on Saturday's game Different because the fullbacks were were further away, and you know they're kind of holding midfielder drop between the centre halves, and they split a little bit more. So the spaces weren't there. So that that will be another format that he'll have, another system that he'll have to try and combat that. But. I think it comes from the manager continually, and of course, if if those opportunities do come, then within a game, then you know that's up to the players to to look at it. But whenever the diagonal passes are played and those long ones that you are alluding to there, that's definitely the manager has seen that in the opposition, and he's seen that their full backs narrow in too far from one side, and and then they exploit it. And again, it's you know for me it's testament to the manager and his detail that he goes to in every single game to come up with a way to win a game of football
0: so so when you uh when you was playing you saw that detail as in teams playing narrow and thought i could expose them yourself i think i just think that was just
3: natural (laughs) you know you just saw that you know you saw that and if again if they if they do go too early and they're marking then obviously then their spaces. You know, back in our day, it would be kind of like maybe two strikers up there, so you could drop balls into strikers. You could, you could mix it up and and, and change it. But um, you know, it's it's moved on. It's moved on, and um, and like the City are are so. so so far ahead at the moment of, of everybody else, you know, we thought Liverpool were going to go and challenge and You know, sticking our neck out too early, but um, you know, the sustained challenge over a season—it just looks like we continually every game turning up and uh, and putting in the same level of performances week after week after week, and that can only come from the manager.
2: I'm absolutely loving you two analysing the football because I don't think there's anybody you know, I can think of other than than you two and and ex-players like yourselves really getting into the detail. It's teaching me a lot as a bystander. I've never played the game, so listening to you two is fascinating to me, to to, to listen to that insight. Um, Moving it on to, to, to obviously, there's an international break and and then there's a whole lot of fixtures coming in in December and into January and everything. Do you believe, Andy, that that Liverpool are going to maintain this? Because even though... City are almost breaking their own records as they go along, scoring more goals, playing perhaps more fluently, keeping controlling games better. Liverpool are still only two points behind, aren't they? Uh, and have had a phenomenal start. Is this going to go all the way to the wire, or do you think somebody's going to drop out of this at some and you know and collapse at some stage? Well, I don't
3: know about collapse, but I I, I think it is. Sustain it. You know, City showed last year with 100 points, I think. But over a season, they can continually keep churning out performances, results, performances, results. And you know, that's Liverpool have still got to answer that question whether they can do it week in, week out. You know, when you look at Sane, uh, sorry um, Mane, um and Salah. the, the yeah, and Salah. Sorry, and and uh, you look at what they have. I don't. I think if when you take them three players out, I don't know if they've got the same depth as we have. You know, we put Sani, we put Sterling in, here, Bernardo Silva. Um, uh, we, you know, if it's Aguero, it it, it it seems to be that everybody seems to know the same system and the same things that they're doing. Whereas, I think at times it looks like Liverpool is a little bit more off the cuff, and and eventually, you know, I think that. Fingers crossed that'll break down, but I just think continually, City doesn't matter what what um, players and personnel they put in, they still have the same formations that they do down the right and down the left, and it's just like clockwork Everybody knows the movement and the detail, and I still find it fascinating looking at the manager, you know, especially the Shapter game in the 4 0 up and. You know, his frustrations and his mannerisms on the touchline, which goes against everything that you're coached as a coach to do or a manager. You know, he's living every pass and if the ball's a yard the wrong side of the player. If it's not played forward when it should have been played, you know, if it's a sideways pass, if the plaster to the wrong foot, you can see him continually because... It's perfection, is what he wants. He's seeking perfection continually. And, you know, God help us if he does get perfection. You imagine what the results and the outcome would be if, if we get to where he actually wants to be. Because, um, you know, he's striving every single game. It doesn't matter whether it's three, four, five, six nil, he still wants the next pass to be perfection and not a yard the wrong side. And I just think it's great. Well, I love watching him. I just love watching his passion. And, you know, like I say, it goes against everything that you go back to the Arsene Wenger days when. They were saying this is the way a manager should conduct himself. This is the way they carry themselves. And then you saw Conte um, come in at Chelsea, and you just see this new modern football game. Simeone, you know, they just they live it, and I think the fans love that as well. I, I think they want to see that on the sidelines.
2: Absolutely. One final question to the two of you. And and we've we've spent sort of 35, 40 minutes waxing lyrical about how brilliant City are, quite understandably, and that's absolutely the direction I wanted to go in tonight. But I don't want to avoid one question, um, even though I personally think that too much has been made out of it. I'm not going to ignore it, because it happened last Wednesday against Shakhtar when Sterling stabbed the ground and went down and he got this penalty. And he's been vilified by some parts of the media for not going, uh, I actually hit, hit the ground accidentally there, it shouldn't have been a penalty, and I think that's been very unfair actually in, in what has happened to him, um, and the reaction's been over the top, so I don't want to make it sound as if I'm joining in this bandwagon and certainly don't agree with it anyway but I do want to ask you two, as professionals, because you played the game if that had been you for example Sean and you, because I don't believe he did that deliberately, I don't believe he dived. I think he, he got the timing wrong he stubbed the ground, he fell over he didn't claim for it, but a penalty
0: was given. So if that was you, yeah. what do you, what would you have, what, and what should you have done? I think, uh, first of all, Andy would say that that was a typical good or <laughs> one-on-one situation outcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Andy would say. But uh, all jokes aside, I think it's down to the personality of the person. I perhaps would have got up and waved and said, no penalty. Really? Perhaps. Uh, and I think it's all to do with the... If you're in a final in a World Cup, I perhaps wouldn't. But if I'm in a game and I, I feel and I know I could beat this team, I would go, I hold my hand up and say, uh, no, I'll just wave my finger to the ref and say, no, no penalty. As to Jester, no penalty. He, he may still give it, but I would, the honesty in me would just go, no, that, that was me tripping over my own self. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't think differently to another player that goes and just ignores it. Because the reality is, we're, we're in a professional game, and by hook or crook, you try to get those three points. Um, well, that's a great answer. And you obviously, you're looking at it from Sterling's point of view, mm-hmm. as a striker's perspective.
2: Andy, I know you're a blue, and I know that you, you'll have wanted the penalty. But if you were that defender, right, if you can do that and look at it Andy from, it wouldn't be that far
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what, what would you have made that of that, Andy? Come on, tell us your view
3: it's really a really difficult one I think like Sean just said a big game at nil-nil you know once it's been given you know he's not dived but I think across the board, everyone has, has said that. It's definitely not a dive. It's not a foul. Um, so you you just follow the process, which is a penalty has been given. You've got you've got to take the penalty. I think if you're 2 or 3 nil up, you know, I'd like the, the penalty taker to put the ball in the penalty spot and pass it to the keeper, just to say, because, you know, it's it, it was just there's no grey area. It was so obvious that it wasn't a penalty. But once a penalty's been given, then you have to be professional and you have to go and put it in the net and uh, or the or or the best you can. Um, like I say, if it was uh, different circumstances, yeah, we'd all like to do the the honourable thing. But you know, it's uh, it's part and parcel of the game. And you know, if the keeper goes and saves it, then then he saves it. And you know, it's you just got to get on with it. But you know, uh, I, I, there's no way that any fingers can be pointed at Raheem Sterling because. You know it's it's a clumsy movement and nothing more you know when he's not he's not appealing for he's not screaming for a penalty or waving his arms around so you know it is what it is and move on but again i take that as a compliment that you know whoever wants to every opportunity that's given to, to knock city or have a go at city in some way people will try and take it at the minute because people don't like winners they don't like successful teams and And that's right where we are at the moment.
2: And it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks very much for for taking time out before training tonight to speak to us. Thanks Thanks very much. See you now. And just before we move on to Steve Redmond after the break in a second or two, the other thing I'd chuck into this is watching that game last night between Oldham Athletic and the non-league team, and they got a penalty very early on in that game where their player went down, he clearly wasn't fouled all the vilification that there's been from certain sections of, of the media towards Sterling and should he owned up to it, would anybody have asked that non-league player in that game against a league opposition on TV when everybody's rooting for the underdog to have gone, no, I didn't, he didn't touch me. He did touch me. Why, why are they not <laughs> vilifying
0: him when they're vilifying Raheem Sterling? What's going on there? Precisely. And I think, uh, it, again, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a great example. It, it, it comes yeah. out because he he probably feels and his team feels well, you know what? Sometimes you got to earn your luck, and that's that's the bit of luck that earns you to advance. So, take advantage of it when it comes. Personally, I was perhaps going to screen
2: on this, but I was glad old won one last night after that. Well, there you go. Right, <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to talk to Steve Redmond right after this. Thanks. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. Yeah, this is a Manchester City show. It's uh, City all the way from 6 till 7 every Tuesday on XS Manchester, 106.1 FM. That doesn't mean I'm a one-club man, a one-game man. As soon as this game finishes, I'm off to Gig Lane to cheer Bury on tonight. So uh, keep the roads clear for me, Simon. Uh, next, next to me is Sean Golter, 103 goals, City legend, and now a budding coach as well. And great analysis. Thanks for being here, Sean.
0: Pleasure, as always.
2: Now, we've got uh, another one of my City heroes joining us now, who i uh, not spoken to for a little while, but that doesn't mean to say it's not uh, about time. In fact, it is about time. We spoke to Steve Redman.
4: Evening, Steve. Hi, Steve. you OK, pal.
2: Very, very well. Are you in a good mood today, then, after that
4: Manchester derby? Oh, I loved every second of it, mate. Every second of it.
2: <laughs> what 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 about City at the moment? It, it makes you enjoy it the most. I mean, we, I don't know where to start really, because there's so many things to yeah. to enjoy. What what do you enjoy the most?
3: I just love
4: the passing ability and the the movement, mate. To be honest, um, very hard to live when it's great on the eye to watch. Um, I'm sure every City fans loving at the moment. Um, as, you, as you know, when I played, we were playing the best of sides. Um, I stand aside on the United now, and just everything about the club has going the
2: right way. When you say that, I mean you, you know you you played with a group of players together who were passionate blues, and actually were very yeah. good players. And you started your career, I think, as a midfielder, and ended up being a centre back. So you were a football. Yeah. I think it's fair to say you're a footballing centre back. So you must look at Stones and Laporte and what company's done in the last few years, yeah. and identify with that quite strongly.
4: Well, I'd like to think so. As um, I say, it's different years, different, different times. Um, but as uh, I, I just say, I'll, I'll centre that. I do look at how they play, and it must be great to get on the ball and just stoke at the ball, you know. Um, back in the day, you know I mean, I just try and get my balls and I couldn't play from the back. But uh, it must be an absolute dream to be in that game at the moment.
2: Would you have liked, do you think, to play under pet?
4: Uh, no, of course I would. <laughs> yeah, without a shadow of doubt, mate, yeah. It um, makes everything look so easy. The lads know what to do and exactly what they're doing. Um, so, going to plan must be an actual dream.
2: The movement is the thing that, that catches a lot yeah. of people out like, because yeah. I know there was a lot of analysis after the game of, particularly that 44 pass goal, uh, where yeah. people said United were quite static. And earlier Sean was saying actually United did press at certain phases, particularly in yeah. that pass. But it makes it look like you're not f- uh, pressing when the, the team in possession, i.e. City, are doing yeah. it so well, doesn't it?
4: Yeah, it does. Um, as as uh, Jack said before, I think, you know, back in the day, some of the rattle on the plays like, you know, let them um, know, um, set the tempo then to get someone else wide into someone else. But uh, as you say, you know, I think, right at the time, to that can't get near City. and I mean, i of rather good you know, finish to finish it off, you know, it was absolutely brilliant.
2: Who was your man of the match because Sean and I have sort of gone for well we both love Fernandinho obviously yeah, but but yeah, we both love yeah. we both love Bernardo as well
4: Yeah he's different class um I say he's coming to the side you know he goes foot on the game now and he's getting on the ball and making things happen um he's one of them players central uh, gravity low sense of gravity gets on the ball finds that little pockets in, in between the center half and the full backs and there I say he's different class on the ball Do
2: you have any fear that that this fantastic run and this fantastic football will just disappear at some point?
4: Um, I mean, obviously, 10-15 years down the line, who knows? At the moment, I think everyone wants to come to Manchester City. Uh, and that's speaks volumes for Pep and the club. I have obviously got the backing of the, the owners. Um, I think it's the place to be at the moment.
2: I mean, I don't know what you think, Sean. I was I was invited onto a, a football fan podcast this week, which is mm. the Channel Four thing. One of the questions they asked me was, "Were who who will be the bigger club in in ten years from now? Is it City or United?" And I think that's a a difficult one because it depends a lot on how you define how big a club is. Mm. Is it is it crowd attendances? Is it worldwide popularity? Um, is it finance? I or, you know, or is it? Historic success and the number of trophies you've got. It really depends on
0: how you define it. I mean, do you have a view on that? Well, that's a, that's a very good question, that you know, because you know, at this moment in time, Man United have that global audience from what the success they've had over years. Uh, I think City is certainly uh, closing that gap. They're closing that gap uh, with how we're playing and 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 winning. Certainly in in recent years, and the the, the world class players we're bringing to the club. So if we go to sort of ten years from now, uh, I I think it you know and people say well you'll say that being a city, if we continue at this rate, City will be the bigger club. Uh, a City will be within the, ten years. Within ten years, City will be the the global club. Uh, that Men United, you know, typically won hands down in terms of, I don't know, you know, T-shirt sales and uh, fan base and all that. City will be that team. What do you think, Steve?
4: Yeah, every chance. Sean's right. Um, I think also having the top-class manager like Pep, um, wherever he goes, people notice where he's gone. Um, I'll people to the club and make them more worldwide. And as Sean said, the next 10 years we'll have I every chance of
2: being in the main club it must be good for your kudos as well I mean I, I know you're not a particularly demonstrative you don't appear to me to be a demonstrative person Steve but when people <laughs> find out that you played for City they don't immediately recognise you that must be good yeah. at the moment to say oh yeah I played for them I played
4: for them well um, to be honest with you I'm not that kind of guy Like you know, I don't well that's, that's what mean, know, I, mean, I mean but I mean, I when they it, find yeah. out they must yeah. say it to you yeah you do yeah um, so obviously now, the team from the 80s, early 90s. Um, but it's nice. Like, I mean, every time I go back to city, I get recognised and that like by the fans, which is
2: great, like you know. Let's um, say so you just get on with it, don't you? Absolutely. Well, they, I, I expected that humble response to be fair, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we well, deserve all of the the plaudits that you should get from the city fans because you played a big part in city's history. Steve, times run out. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll get you on no, again. No, but that's no, Steve thank Redman. Thank you. pleasure Steve. Well, see you, lads. Take care. So that's Steve Redman joining us tonight. So the final word goes to you, Sean. Obviously, we're, we're in an international break. Has it come at the right time? Has it? We, we can bask in the glory, but
0: there's no game now for two weeks. Well, it's never, it's never going to feel the right time for us because. We're always going to be on a rhythm and a pattern of winning. And it's always going to feel as though it's the wrong time because we'll look back and say, oh, we just won the last three games. We've been scoring goals. We're playing brilliantly. Oh, man, the internationals come at the wrong time. And I think it's going to be that way for City throughout the season. Um, And this is just the standard that Pep Guardiola has set. uh, But we played delightful. So when we have the internationals, uh, we come back to it. We're all buzzing again. And hopefully
2: Kevin De Bruyne is close to return again when we come back. Yes. Uh, so, Sean, as I've heard, thanks very much for your time tonight. Cheers. Thanks, for, of course, to Andy Morrison and Steve Remond. Thanks for you for listening. Don't forget there is a podcast available, and I'll tweet out the link a little bit later on. I'm back tomorrow as
1: part of the Wednesday Club. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky.